Magaliar to Stokes, who's onside. Walker! Here's Sims. It's a good serve this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it! Just a minute to play. That's stoppage time. Here's Letizia. Hello and welcome to the Saints FC podcast. Would you believe it? This is episode 67. Um, It's John Bailey here and uh, in the studio via his mobile telephone, it is not Tom Parker. Uh, It is not my brother. It is not my father-in-law. It is not the pirate. It is not even a Saints footballing legend. It's uh, Gaz. Gaz, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? on yeah i'm fine thing and um Just, uh, getting over the uh, the journey at the weekend i'm afraid i think we're almost there now to be honest almost there the, the dust has settled on the weekend i think we've all recalibrated our expectations um well we we We'll get on to that. We'll we'll try and figure out if this was just a weird freak result or if we've got a long, terrible season ahead of us. But, um, <clears throat> Gaz, I suppose, first of all, who are you? Uh, well, I'm a local lad. Um, I've supported Saints all my life. Um, been going up to see them since I was about 12 years old, I suppose, with my friends. Um, my parents were brave enough to let me go up on my own uh, with my friends. And, uh, yeah, used to go and play football in the park beforehand and then uh, try not to get uh, too crushed in the Milton Road end um, watching most of the home games uh, when it was quite easy to get a ticket. So, uh, yeah, and then obviously over time as it as it changed from terraces to seats, it got a little bit more difficult to get tickets. And uh, But, yeah, still managed to get along to most of the games. So, uh, and, yeah. That's about it, really. Just, uh, yeah, I'm a glutton for punishment, I suppose. (laughs) So uh, you've been supporting Saints for for a good few years, then. You're harking back to the Dell. Who who was your hero at 12 years old when you first started going to see the Saints? Who was the player that you really got excited about seeing? I think back in the day when I I first started going, I think it was at the time when when Shearer was just coming through. Um, I know he wasn't with us for particularly long. But, um, yeah, you know, everybody loves a goal scorer, don't they? So, uh, yeah, I did, uh, I did quite enjoy watching Shearer at the time. Um, and then, obviously, like, uh, like most Saints fans of my age, it's, uh, it's always going to be Matt Matiz, isn't it? So, um, yeah, you know, years and years of, of, of going to the Dell and just watching absolute magic uh, in a, in a, in a nice possible way, most of the time a, a sea of mediocrity is probably the nicest way of putting it. You know, he, Matt was a was a completely standout, wasn't he, above the rest. So, um, yeah, so yeah, Shearer and and obviously Matt Letizia really back hey, in the day. Gaz, there's absolutely no shame in listing out Matt Letizia <clears throat> as the uh, as the obvious standout player. I I think there's probably. You know, I almost have more admiration for the Saints fans that have somehow become supporters of Saints and solidified in that position who 
didn't grow up with the magic of Matthew Letizia because he, he was something special. Anyway, I mean, we've talked about Matthew Letizia on this podcast many, many times before we've spoken to Matthew Letizia on this podcast. Um, so we won't, we won't, I'll tell you what, I'm going to indulge you a little bit more. What's your favourite Matthew Letizia goal at the Dell? Well, um, the one I always hark back to is the one, I think if I remember right, it was against Wimbledon, the one where Jim Jilton rolled the ball back and Matt just flicked it up and put it over the wall. Ah, beautiful. Um, and I was, yeah, I was in the Milton that, that day and Christ, it went absolutely mental. Um, and obviously standing behind the goal, you couldn't see how good a goal it was. You knew it was good, but it wasn't until you saw the highlights and it's like, Christ, how did he do that? And Standing behind the goal, it looked good. But when, even then, when you saw the when you saw the highlights, like, bloody hell, that was good. But it was it was the it was the atmosphere around you. The whole stadium went absolutely nuts. You're just like, that's not something you see every day, is it? So, um, yeah, certainly that one. Um, yeah, that's definitely the one that stands out for me. Yeah, and and a lot of people kind of credit um, Matthew Letizia's celebration that day running back to the bench to, to celebrate with the coach who suggested he try it. Many people suggest that might be the quickest he ever ran um, in his footballing <laughs> career. Which, yeah. uh, you know. Anyway, I, 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 think, I think that's a little bit you mean. Could still, you could still put him in the centre circle now. And uh, on some days, I think he would still be an asset to the team. Sometimes you stand there and you think, Christ, we need, we need someone to, you know, bring some life into this game. And you just, you think just leave him in the centre circle and just give him the ball, but um, yeah, I don't know. I suppose I'm just a bit of a romantic from all those years of being sport watching him play. Yeah, ab- absolute magician, um, uh, Matthew Latisse. Always love indulging Saints fans a little bit of chat about Matt. Um, so I was going to ask why do you support the Saints, but you started going when you're 12 years old. You're a local lad. It's, it's Southampton, the city. Yeah, absolutely. That you yeah, grew up in. Yeah, grew up in the in the, like the western Wolston area. Um, still li- still live in Southampton now. So uh, yeah, never moved away. Um, and uh, yeah, supported Saints my whole life. I mean, you, you don't have a choice, do you? So uh, and and I'm more than happy with that. Absolutely. It's um, you know, it's more interesting. It sounds stupid, but it's I I consider it more interesting being a a fan of a club where you're not going to win every week, you know? So, and you, you realize that all you, all you want is, um, a performance. You just want to know that you can see that they're trying the best and there's a bit of, bit of common sense to what's going on. Um, that's all I ask. I don't, you know, it, it would be wonderful to win every week. And, you know, those, those years that we were down in league one, for example, that's some of the most, Fun times I've had as a Saints fan. Saints fan going to random places and sort of almost flies in the face of what I just said. That when you were in League One, you knew there was always going to be a chance of winning. So that was kind of a bit of a novelty. But on the whole, you know, as a, as a Saints fan, you know you're not going to win every game, and it, and it just adds a bit more credibility to getting those those big results against the, you know the big teams. You appreciate it more. I, I, that's the way I look at it. That's the way I think of it. You know, I I think we would we enjoy it more than 
you know, from other clubs who you know, expect to win. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a strange thing looking back at the time of going down into the championship and, and down into League One and then starting on that season with minus 10 points with Alan Pardew as our manager. Um, and it's, it's a funny thing because that season when we won the Johnson's Paint Trophy, the following season when we got promoted and then the following season when we got promoted again, those three seasons were absolutely wonderful. But I do, yeah. th- I do think we occasionally like to forget about the going down... Harry Redknapp, George Burley, um, Nigel Pearson, and then the kind of random occasional manager that we had from elsewhere that just blew everyone's minds as to why earth we have it. Mark Walker. Yeah, I mean, and, and that process was the bit that was really, really painful, I think. You know, once we'd gone into administration, the club had been bought by Marcus Lee, but that was the turning point for me. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I did enjoy the season when we got up to the playoff um, semi-final with George Burley a bit. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. yeah I, went through, uh, I went to Derby away that night. But the um, following season and then the season we got relegated were just just not fun. <laughs> not fun yeah. at all. And then all, all the outside turmoil of the club really kind of dragged... Uh, it, it dragged me down emotionally, I think, as well. So, I mean, it, it is a funny thing. That, that League One season, that championship season um, was so, so enjoyable. Um, yeah. but, but I think it, ultimately it feels right, us being in the Premier League and having the bragging rights over our local rivals as well, of course, is, is very important. Well, absolutely, that's always a bonus. Yeah. So, so, Gaz, are you a season ticket holder at St Mary's? Yes, I am, yeah. Yeah, where can people find you? Where, where are you going to be standing or sitting? Uh, so I sit in uh, Block 8, um, so in the itching stand, uh, about halfway up. Um, right next to, we've got the, um, yeah, we've got the, the corporate seats in the row right behind us. Oh. So it leaves you in quite a peculiar situation in many games, certainly against the big teams where you end up with supporters of the opposition sitting right behind you. Um, the amount of times I've had to bite my tongue. <laughs> and it, yeah, it, it's not nice. you know. And, and Ironically, the, the first home game we've got this season, obviously on Saturday, is, uh, is against Liverpool. And last season, it was, it really was quite, yeah, quite that caustic atmosphere. Um, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really spoil it. You, you know, you can expect that sort of thing, and and you know, a lot of the time, you know, you know when there's, there's people behind you that are away fans, they're supporting the other team. Um, a lot of the time, they are quite respectful, and it, and it's fine. And you can, I, a lot of time, I will turn around and, and you know, have a chat with them as well when there's when there's a, a quiet period in the game. So most of the time, they're they're all right, but. Um, yeah, sometimes it does get a little bit feisty, um, which kind of sort of spoils it a little bit. But I've, I've, I've moved in various seats around the stadium over the years for, for various reasons. Um, I started taking my son up to the football as well. Um, and then they brought in this whole thing of you sit in the middle of the, the middle of the stand and you have to pay the same price for kids as you would for, for everybody else. And it's like, well, I don't want to pay you know, seven hundred and thirty odd quid for a for a six year old. 
defender, so I had to move then. And then um, he got into his football a little bit more and he wanted to go and stick with his mates, so he had to go and move to the Ken. And then um, the most heartbreaking thing for me in recent years supporting Saints is in the last couple of seasons where certainly the Pure, and, and, you know, the Puel era towards the end when we weren't scoring goals, you know, those last few games of the season, in that season he was in charge and we just weren't scoring any goals at home. And I'm taking him along and, and essentially I'm forcing him to go along. And when you're, when you're, when your little boy turns to you and says, Daddy, I don't want to go to the football anymore. And you're like, why? And he's like, because Saints don't score any goals. And it's like, I can't argue with you, mate. I really can't. And I'm not going to, you know, people will criticise me probably, and some people won't, but I'm not going to force him to go. I don't want to, I don't want it to be in his head that I forced him to go to the football when he was younger. I want, I want him to go because I want him to enjoy it. And he did used to enjoy it. Um, and then those, those couple of seasons where we had, um, just, it was just going downhill and the football was getting really boring and we weren't scoring goals. And, and he just didn't want to go anymore. And, and I wasn't going to force him. And yeah, heartbreaking, really. But, so yeah, I've uh, been a bit of a nomad around the season and around the stadium in the last few years. But, Gives you a different perspective on things. It's, it's quite interesting sitting in the itching now and and uh, watching the way the managers react as the game goes on. Um, Ralph is hilarious. So, uh, yeah, really enjoy that now. And uh, have you managed to get your son going to the games again, or is he still on a hiatus? Uh, at the moment, he's still on a hiatus. However, um, towards the end of last season, when I started coming home and, and obviously I had a, a big smile on my face when I came in the door because, you know, like the Spurs game, for example, when I came home from the Spurs game and miraculously we were losing and all of a sudden we actually won. It's just like the euphoria. And you can see it on my face how absolutely buzzing I was after that game. And he's like, oh, how does the football go? And he, and he genuinely took interest. And, and it's like, mate, you like, you want to go again now? You know, they start to score goals, and and he was, he has been talking to me about football over the summer as well, and I've been telling him about, you know, always oh, find a, we find a striker, always oh, find a, this guy who's really quick with the ball and stuff. Oh, really, really? So I'm hoping if we can, um, you know, perform better this season, like I think we all believe we will. Um, contrary to what happened on Saturday, obviously. I think I will, I don't think I'll have problems with regards to convincing him to come along to some cup games, for example, where it's kind of a, a more of a free for all for getting tickets and things. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful I can break his hiatus this season. I will see. Yeah, well, I mean, ho- hopefully things will be going so good that by Christmas time he'll be begging you for a half-season ticket as his Christmas present. Um, right, guys, let's, uh, let's, let's rock it through this because I think that we're going to talk about the trip to Burnley and it could be a little bit painful. So we'll try and make it swift and, and get through all the key points. I, I suppose starting off, 
what did you make of the lineup? So, you know, we, we've been talking about Ralph, whether he's going to be playing the 4 2 2 2 formation, whether he'd stick with three at the back. How, how did you see the way it, li- it lined up? Did you think kind of Jack Stevens, w- was he traditionally a, a centre back in that, or was he more of a defensive midfielder sat in front of a back two of um, Vestergaard and, and, um, and, and Bednarek? Well, I mean, what did you think about the way we lined up for the, for the game? Obviously, I mean, you can't get away from the fact that not a lot of people have a lot of confidence in Jack Stevens. I don't want to talk our players down. Um, but when you see the number of simple errors that he, he's made, like towards the end of last season, well, not maybe towards the end of last season, just in general, um, and for me, he doesn't fill you with a lot of confidence. When you, when I've, I've been, I've got friends in Burnley, so you know that's part of the reason why we we get a we we get a Burnley away every year. Um, you don't get a Burnley for Burnley. Um, you go, <laughs> we go to see our friends. Sorry, Burnley people. Um, but they've got a couple of very wily strikers playing. You know, you know. Barnes is going to give us a solid time. You know he likes to score against Saints. You want to be able to have a bit of solidity at the back. Um, and when I saw that Jack Stevens was in there, as opposed to Maya Yoshida, you know, I know, I know Maya Yoshida isn't everybody's, you know, flavour of the month either, but you, I think you know what you're going to get, and I think he is a little bit more wily. Um, and when you're Playing against the like Bastard Arms and, and and Wood, who are they're gonna they're gonna play, you know, gamesmanship, you know. And I would have thought it might have been. A, I mean, I'm not obviously I'm not the one that picked the team, and Ralph must have seen something, and he and he has faith in Jack Stevens. You know, fair enough. If Ralph made a choice. You've got to go with it and get behind the team. But yeah. <laughs> Stevens never fills me with confidence. And um, when I saw him in the scene, I thought this could be bad. But the, the main thing, the main thing for me that was a, was a worry was when Hoiberg wasn't playing. Yeah, I mean, that, that that was the big surprise for me as well, that Hoiberg wasn't in there. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Is there a reason for that, do you think? I mean, I, I, just, I just couldn't figure out why you would start Saints without... Hoiberg um, in that match because I mean last season I'm sure we were pretty much always better when he was on the pitch I mean obviously depending where his head was because he did occasionally uh, lose his head and and do silly things last season but generally speaking he's one of our better players isn't he but didn't they say that Hoiberg was calling before the game he was taken ill Um, I think it was something like he was taken ill on the way up or or just before the game, and that's the reason why he didn't start. But he was well enough to be on the bench. That that's what that was my understanding. That's what I heard. Yeah. That's why he didn't start. I mean, it's, <laughs> I I don't know what was wrong with him, but I'm guessing if you if you're giving him a bit of a rest, but you're still keeping on the bench, it's obviously not that serious. I mean. Perhaps he had something wrong with his tummy and he didn't want to end up in a Gary Lineker situation. I I don't know, but um, prob- probably... 
function. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think we have to give, you know, y- y- you kind of have to give Ralph Hasenhut a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because uh, Burnley are always a tough team to play against. I mean, it's quite obvious what they're going to do. They're always going to play the long ball over the top. We know our defenders yeah. are hopeless at defending against crosses and high balls, despite the fact that Vestergaard is about 20 foot tall or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> and, it, you know, the first 60 minutes... I'm going to put this to you. There were some positives to be had. So we had the Chairdom's chance in the first two minutes. Great cross field mm-hmm. play by, by Nathan Redmond. Um, Redmond generally, I thought, was looking really lively. Had a good chance in the first half and um, he was causing problem, which led to us having a free, free kick, which uh, Ryan Bertram put over. Did what was, was there any... I mean, at 60 minutes, presumably, you didn't think we were just about to collapse to a 3-0 defeat. No, there was... There was no sign of it at all. Um, I, the, the conditions weren't particularly good. You know, the weather wasn't good. Did they start to lose focus and start to lose concentration? Who knows? The wind was obviously howling as well. Um, and yeah, Ralph. I mean, even Ralph made made mention of the wind, didn't he, in his, in his press conference? He didn't want to play on it too hard either. At the same time. Um, I mean, that's a dangerous game, isn't it? You start sounding like Jurgen Klopp if you complain about the wind too much. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but again, when you, from, from where we were, obviously we were at the opposite end of the pitch to where Burnley was scoring all their goals. Um, so it just you couldn't understand what was going on and you're thinking, how the hell did we just get caught out with a ball over the top? Like, that, surely isn't that just focused? And it wasn't until, again, it wasn't until after you see the highlights that you realise that the wind caught that ball, pushed it past Vestergaard, who completely missed it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, look where we ended up. Like, you've got to give Ashley, like, you know, I don't like Ashley Barnes. Um, certainly after his behaviour in, the, in the, the same fixture up there last season, it, he was quite disgraceful, really, the way, the way he went on with the lines and stuff. That was almost a fault. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you can't you can't take anything away from Ashley Barnes' finish to that first goal. He he absolutely buried it. So, you know, I don't think Angus Young could have done anything with it, but he essentially was just clean through, you know, he he was hopeful, he just ran through, all of a sudden the the wind caught the ball, pushed it past Esther Esther didn't know what the hell was going on. No one was covering Ashley Barnes, Ashley Barnes was on a run anyway, and it's like, Oh, happy days. And yeah, so he buried it. Absolutely buried it, and it was, a, it was a very good finish, to be fair. But what happened after that? The second goal, Ashley Barnes's second goal. There's no excuse for that. He was he was just open in the box. He was, he was in loads of space. No one with him. And yeah, he was easy. It was absolutely easy. And then by that point. When the, when the third goal was coming along, Burnley had the tails up. And, and I can't remember the name of the guy who scored that third goal, but you, you're thinking, if you were him, you're thinking, well, yeah, why not? I'm on a run here. I may as well have a go. You know? And he did. And again, he scored an excellent goal as well. So I don't know if, if the players switched off. Um, the way you look at what happened with the second goal, you could say, well, yeah, they did switch off, really. Um, 
And the third goal, yeah, Ryan Dirksen misjudged it. And then they had the Burnley mate was away, wasn't it? Um, unchallenged and, and just put it in. But I didn't see that collapse coming. I genuinely didn't. And when it happened, and you know, we all we all went to that game full of massive confidence. And and I I personally, after the way we we got the draw there last season, right at the end with that penalty. I really, really wanted to go there and, and for us to finally get a result. I've been to Burnley so many times and we've never got a result. And I just had it in my head, we're going to get a result today. I'm super confident. And when you just get smashed 3-0, yeah, it was, oh, it was awesome. Absolutely awesome. It was, it was pretty devastating. I've got to say, the, um, the second goal was the one that upset me the most. The fact that we completely yeah. capitulated in the space of 12 minutes um, was very upsetting because you'd have hoped that that would have been one of the things that Ralph would have been working on over the summer, I think, is keeping a strong head when things are starting to kind of fall apart and, and, and making the players a little bit more resilient so that they don't just immediately collapse in, in that way that we saw so many times last season and we saw again um, on Saturday. Um, but then also... With Hoiberg on, it, it, it could quite easily have been four as well. I mean, that awful back pass that, that he did. Yeah. Um, and I suppose this is my big worry for the season. So, so obviously the centre-backs, I think we've all been worried about that. And, um, you know, obviously we've brought in Danso now. Not sure, you know, is he going to be Premier League ready? How quickly can he make his mark on the team what's going to be the 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 centre-back pairing or triple that we're going to be using um but the mental fragility is the thing that really worries me because it's something that we've known about for such a long time and we still haven't dealt with it um yeah and and, and did you see it because i mean I, I didn't make it to turf more on saturday but i think when you watch a game live you can see these things happen more clearly than you can watching the highlights or watching on the television, you can see it with the body language of the players, with the shape, with the energy that they're putting. Did it look like they were collapsing in, in those 12 minutes? Did they just completely lose their heads? Or was it just three kind of freak accidents amongst 12 minutes of otherwise normal football? I think I, from where I was, I think the, the focus did go, really. Um, and I mean, a, a perfect example you just made yourself, you know, with, with regards to Hoiberg and that, that, that part. Where, where is your head at when you think passing back to the keeper from where he is? I think he was right out on the touchline, you know, where he, you know, where he started to take a throw. And he passed it all the way back to the keeper from there, and you're thinking, why are you doing that? Like, that is a really bad decision. And, yeah, I, I don't know, I, I, again, were, were, the, were the conditions contributing to it as well? I know, you know, both teams are out there, but, um, and they're having to deal with it, but, you know, you, all of a sudden you're like, did, did the players go into the match and, and believe their own height as well? You know, we all went there and we all thought, yeah, we're going we're gonna to smash this today. You know, Ralph had had that period of time with him now where he can put everything into them that he wants them to 
them up and we've seen endless, you know, videos on on YouTube and stuff that saying to post an up channel, the players smiling and happy and, you know, you can sense they're all kind of in a really good place and they're all focused and ready to go. But then when it comes to, and we obviously we didn't lose in pre-season as well, and then all of a sudden you're on a cold Saturday afternoon in Burnley, the wind's howling and the rain's pissing down, and your head just completely goes. Yeah. It's inexcusable, really. Yeah, I mean, that the, the pre-season that you mentioned there, one of the reasons I want to bring this up is I mean, you've been watching Saints long enough that you'll remember this, but I'm pretty sure, uh, I mean, I might have been back in the late 90s, early noughties, we won all of our pre-season matches and then we did exactly mm-hmm. this. We started the season absolutely terribly. And it's yeah. almost like you need a couple of shockers in pre-season just as a bit of a reminder that it's not going to be easy. You haven't got it all figured out. Um and, and and hopefully this is just a shock reminder and the player is going to be jolted into action and we're going to see something a little bit more effective in the next kind of few games. And um, I mean, I can't say... You and Thomas alluded to that, didn't you, in your last podcast as well. Yeah. You, were, you, were, you were bang on with what you said about, you know, this is a, this is a, this is a wake-up call game, you know, playing Burnley. You know what Burnley are going to do and you need to be on your game to play Burnley. Otherwise, you could be in trouble. You guys hit the nail on the head, really, in the last podcast. Um, and that, yeah, essentially, that's what happened. You know, they, it was it was a challenge, but you know, you know what you're going to get with Burnley. So, surely, you know, Ralph Ralph fills them up with video footage, and you know, he prepares them. Well, as far as you're aware, you know, he, he's fastidious with his preparation and, and getting the players ready for who they're going to face. Surely they should have known what they were, you know, they, would have, they were going to be facing. And again, like I was saying a minute ago, my memory of, of going to that ground last season was was losing two points right at the end of the game. And I was really pissed off. Now, those guys on the pitch, the vast majority of those guys that were on the pitch on Saturday were the same players that played in that game as well. And you're thinking, Chris, last time we came here, you know, we, we let two points slip. We're not going to do that again. We're really going to be up for this and we're going to nail it. And then we lose 3-0. And you can see this, you know, through switching off. It's like, really? That, 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 you know, that just compounds the disappointment for me. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, I totally agree with you. So, I mean, I'm going to try and find a little bit of silver lining um, on this cloud of a, well, I suppose kind of cloud, <laughs> wind, rain, you know, typical kind of like Burnley weather. Um, the only thing that I can I can see that, that was kind of positive from this is that, and this is, you know, when you're clutching for stats to try and prove something that you know is almost... Uh, definitely wrong you you know you're kind of like scrabbling around here we did actually have a bigger expected goals than Burnley um for that game so the the argument is is that we created the better chances um and as the season pans out you would hope to kind of level your xg but I mean we Tom and I have been looking at xg for a little while and we knew under Pellegrino that we were very very often having much higher XG than the number of goals that we're scoring. And actually when things were going well, 
at the back end of last season, we were outscoring our XG. And that tends to be what the teams that are on a good run or, or are doing particularly well do. Liverpool and Man City always outscore their XG. I mean, their XG is high anyway, but they pretty much always outscore it. So, I mean, we're, n- we're not particularly clinical, I think, was with, with our chances is the story out of that. Um, Ashley Barnes was. He always is against Saints. Despite the fact yeah, that these these games very rarely have goals, he's now got five goals against Saints. I mean, yeah. that, that that's astonishing. He must have pretty much scored every goal that's ever been against Saints for for Burnley in the past few yeah. years. Yeah, he's like uh, he was the one that always used to score against us. Jamie Curtin always used to score against us. Yeah, Jamie Cur- Charlie Austin used to as well. Actually, you know, maybe we need to yeah. do the the same tactic that we did for Charlie Austin and just buy Ashley Barnes and then, you know, <laughs> just just so he can't score against us anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. interesting. I, I've got an interesting fact about Ashley Barnes. He played for the same uh, football team as I did when I was a junior. So he played for Bath Arsenal FC. Although he is a fair little bit younger than me, so I never played in the same team as him. But there we go. Um, so was he? Announced, you never met him? No, I, no, I never met him. No, he was I just a, wondered if he was a horrible sod then as well. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, I find this hard to believe because, you know, people from Bath, they're normally just really charming, lovely people. So I don't know what's happened well, to I'm Ashley Barnes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Gaz, so one of the things that you told me before you came on this podcast is that you have some constructive feedback for Ralph. So this is your opportunity. I know Ralph is a big fan of the podcast. I'm sure he'll be listening in. So, so this is your chance, Gaz. What's your message? My message is really... The main thing, everybody keeps talking about this 4-2-2-2. And it seems as though he's, he's desperate to implement it. And he's had the summer. To push, and, and as we know, towards the end of last season as well, he was, he was, he was toying with it, wasn't he? But he never really... He, he, he did play it a couple of times, but then he, he again changed it quite quickly. And you can understand why, because we needed to make sure that we got the points on the board and stayed up. But he he's definitely been working on that through the summer. And it's like, are you just going to go with it or not? Because the only way the players are going to learn that is to actually play it. And he's even you, you would look at it and you think, is he, he's got obviously he's only brought three players in, and obviously Danny Wings as well. But he's brought three players in in the summer. You look at them and you think, well, actually, yeah. So we've got we've got another striker there who we know can score goals. So we could have that two up front. Um, we've got Gineppo, who you know some people are saying, you know, oh, he might be a you know not, we might be drifting him into a team. He's not going to be a, an immediate starter. Um, but I saw him in the, you know, I saw some of the, the African Cup of Nations over the summer. He seemed pretty good in that. He seemed, you know, I would say decent enough. Um, and then obviously we've got we've got this big beast, Kevin Danzo. He looks, you know, he looks the real deal. Um, if he wants to do the four two two two, why not just take a couple of the three hits and just push on and do it? And stop going back to the whole five three two, you know, three four three, whatever it is. Just push on and do it. I know. I know. 
we need to obviously get some points on the board early doors. But but look at the fixtures that we've got as well. You know, do we really think that we're going to be picking up loads of points in the next few games, certainly in the next two home games? Do we really think we're going to be getting six points out of those two games? Maybe not. You know, is it is it an opportunity to use those games against really good players to try and bed in this four two two two? So when we do come around to playing games where we we should be picking up the points, you know, we should be getting a point, we should be getting three points. The players are playing competitively in that four two two two. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I I do. What you, I know exactly what you mean. Essentially, the message for Ralph is: be brave. You know, commit to yeah. it. Give the players a chance to learn and understand about how it works in a competitive fixture in the Premier League. And then when we have the fixtures that we would start expecting to win, you know, that that's when hopefully it, it will come to fruition. And you're saying, you know, the games against Liverpool and Manchester United, effectively, they're free hits. Nobody's expecting us to win. So give it a whirl. If it pays off, brilliant. If not, nothing's lost apart and the players are... 180 minutes better suited or, or, or better understanding of the 4 2 2 Why stick with the, the tried and tested that you know of when in all likelihood you're probably going to get a bit of a kick in, no matter what you do? Um, certainly against Liverpool. Um, and after seeing Man United at the weekend as well, I'm quite fearful for that one as well now. But... Um, if you're going to do it, do it. I mean, how many other teams in the in the Premier League actually play this four two two two? Not many, as far as I can tell. So, no, yeah, that, yeah, you said it exactly as, as I would have yeah, wanted to put it across, but you did it a lot better. Um, said it in now. If you're going to do it, he knows it. He wants to do that style. It's out there. Everybody knows it. Said it in now and just take the free hit. And just get on with it. Yeah, and, and and you never know. There could be the element of surprise. You know, Liverpool. The they may exactly. not have, have faced a four-two-two-two before. Um, obviously, they do have the the slightly kind of problematic of the fact that they are hoarding lots and lots of the best players, and they play very well together. Anyway, we'll gloss over that. Do you have any hope <laughs> um, for the game against Liverpool on Saturday, or is your hope just literally going to be? I hope there's fewer away fans sat around me this time and, and leave that kind of level of <laughs> level of hope I'm I'm always the eternal optimist you're, you're never going to hear me saying oh, we're going to go to the game and lose even if even if your common sense in your brain is telling you you're probably going to turn up and get smashed um, I'll always say no it's going to be a draw don't worry it'll be a draw but um, no I'll, there was there was this talk of um um, Ralph had the players in on Sunday, apparently after the, the Burnley game. And he's, um, I've been reading about this um, online and stuff, and I don't know whether it's true or not, who knows? But, you know, you try and grab hold of anything, don't you, when you're after that at the weekend. And um, yeah, apparently he had the players in on Sunday. He was um, giving all of the players that were in the squad on Sunday, on Saturday, sorry, one to one briefing. Um, trying to obviously provide them with constructive feedback, you'd like to think. Um, I'm, 
I'm, I've got to, I've got to say it. So I'm always the same. I'm, I'm, I'd like to think we could get a result. I genuinely do. I mean, uh, are Liverpool going to go into the game now where, you know, they, they, they turned over Norwich, uh, at the weekend. Um, but let's not forget, even though, you know, the usual media outlets are all saying they focus on this whole thing of Liverpool were 4 0 up at half time. But they don't really talk about the fact that Liverpool lost the second half 1 0 against Norwich at Anfield. So, you know, there's not much talk of that, is there? Essentially, I know, obviously, I know they won 4 1. But in the second half, they didn't go out and, and turn it into a cricket score, did they? And Norwich scored. So, you know, they're susceptible. So, I'm, I'm always going to try and be positive, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see you get a result, and I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd never want to go to a game thinking we're just going to lose, and I can't do that. So I'd, I think we can get a result at the weekend. I'm not stupid enough to say we'll win, but I'd like to think we can get a draw. Do you, do you think we might see Shane Long reintroduced into the first team squad as well? I mean, he has a fantastic record against Liverpool. Um, yeah, I, I, I quite like Shane Long. Um, because he he's just he's just that unknown quantity, isn't he? Um, and he's just a pest. He's one of those players that when he's in your team, you're like, yeah, you're going to be an absolute menace. And when he's playing against you, you think, oh, God, it's not so long. He's just going to be antagonistic. He's going to be causing trouble. He's going to be doing this. Um, and it can be really difficult. So I like Shane Long. You know, just I. I had a bit of a, a, a falling out with Shane Long, not personally, obviously. But um, again, <laughs> ironically, we're talking about Burnley, but Burnley away game last year. Um, from what I saw of that game last year, um, Shane Long could have challenged for the ball in the centre circle in in the play leading up to the ball going into the box and Jack Stevens fouling Peter Crouch, apparently. Um, and getting the penalty. So, yeah, I, I, I personally had a bit of a falling out with Shane Long, and I'm like, Shane Long, your game is to chase around the pitch and hassle and harangue and make it difficult for the opposition. And you didn't, and consequently, a few seconds later, Burnley won a penalty. And I'm not very happy with you anymore. So I had a falling out with Shane Long. But, I don't know, maybe um, Ralph Gavin was in as a pick up the arse later into the season and obviously you went on that fantastic run towards the end of the year so yeah, yeah I'd, like, I'd like to see I'd like to you know I think he could I think he could have something to, to the next on on Saturday, on Saturday. I wouldn't, obviously I wouldn't start him I don't think but bring him on as a test yeah see if, see if he can give Virgil a bit of a choice time. yeah I'd, l- I'd love to see Virgil suffer at the hands of Shane Long. That would be a beautiful thing to see. Um, yeah. So, Gaz, we're, we're going to wrap things up now. I wonder, have your expectations for the season changed at all after Saturday? Uh, I, was, I, was just, I was just thinking about this about um, before, we sort of, uh, before we started talking. And I had an awful... <laughs> I think, like most, like most fans, I think... Um, Come into this season thinking, you know, 
players that he wants, or I'd like to think he's got the players that he wants. Um, there's a bit of grit and determination in the team. Um, and I really think after a summer of, of getting them playing the way he wants, getting his ideas and his mentality across, I thought we could really surprise a few people this year. Um, did Saturday and the essentially the collapse and, and the debacle ruin that for me? No. Um, do I think it's just a glitch? Yeah, I think so. Um, it was like I say. I'm, 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 am I I'm writing it off? It was, a, it was a horrible day against a horrible team. Um, with difficult conditions, and I'd like to think that it is. And like you're saying, it, you'd like to think that is the wake up call. Season's here now, guys. We've got to crack on. Um, put that one to bed. Use a, use an older Nigel Adkins season. Draw a blue line under it and move on. Um, so no, it 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 put a, a tiny dent in my confidence for the season. But I still think we could do some good stuff this year, and I, I'm still. I'm still confident we can absolutely finish in the top half. So, um, so that's your prediction for the season. The end of last year. So, so you reckon we're going to finish top half of the season? Can I, can I, I put you on a so. position? I, I still, I still think so, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's good news. I'm looking forward to um, that game against Burnley being a little blip. Seeing the four-two-two-two <laughs> formation against Liverpool and Shane Long getting a second-half hat-trick as his substitute appearance and Virgil van Dijk having a nightmare. Then we can all get on with enjoying ourselves again. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> um, Gaz, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. It was really uh, oh, good you. to get get to chat to you and hear about your experience going up to Burnley. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll get to chat about a Saints victory at some point in the future. That would be quite quite good fun, wouldn't it? Absolutely. No, yeah, yeah that would be wonderful. And um, of course, any listeners out there, if you want to get in touch with the podcast uh, like Gaz did, you just want to email in, tweet us, uh, you know the channel saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com or at saintsfcpodcast on Twitter. Um, that's it from me and Gaz. Gaz, you can say goodbye to the listeners now. Thank you, everyone. Uh, up the Saints. And, uh, guys. Yeah, thank you very much, Gaz. And uh, come on, Saints, let's see if we can do something really special against Liverpool um, on Saturday. Who knows? Who knows? That's the wonder of football, that you can never predict everything.